0: doing over there? Can't you see? Hi everyone. Welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can find there anytime at Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also want to remind you that I do a companion podcast to this that covers brand new movies out in theaters or on VOD or anything that's new. You can find it by searching the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Just remember that Quipster is spelled with a W instead of a U. Today, we're going to be getting into a new set of three movies. I just covered six movies from the original arc, at least, of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So we're going to continue on. We're going to shift a little bit. This actually is another film by New Line Productions. actually was produced by Rachel Talalay, who also produced some of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. So a little bit tangential to that. It is called Hairspray. It is a film by John Waters. He wrote and directed the film. It stars Ricky Lake, and it features Divine, Colleen Fitzpatrick, who is also known from her stage name as a musical act, Vitamin C. Debbie Harry, also from the music world, Michael St. Gerard, Jerry Stiller, Sonny Bono, Ruth Brown, Leslie Ann Powers, Clayton Prince, and Mink Stoll. A few other cameo appearances in the film as well, which I'll get into in a little bit. It's a pg rated film it does have suggestive material drug references thematic material and mild language and the runtime is an hour and 32 minutes john waters if you know your films you know john waters kind of the kitsch master the master of trash cinema i guess you would call it at least through the 70s he created this film after a rare seven-year hiatus from making films And it stands in stark contrast to a lot of his other works because here he's taking a very loving, although critical, look back at the early 1960s based on some things that he experienced when he was a youth back then. He utilizes the craze for dance shows on television to explore heavier issues on race, on class, on repression of expression, on tolerance and segregation. Although he is, like I mentioned, known more for his trash, this is one of John Waters' least edgy films. Many of his early works were originally rated X, if you can believe that. At least in terms of the content, it's PG-rated. This is his first PG-rated film, and thus far his only one. And once you look under the benign surface and the delivery, there's plenty of relevant content to mull over regarding where the country, the United States, has been and how much or how little society has changed in terms of embracing each other's differences. This one's set in 1962, before the country would change forever through the dark times of the 60s to come. Ricky Lake here as the star. She plays Tracy Turnblad, who's a pleasantly plump teenager in Baltimore, which happens to be John Waters' home and where pretty much all of his films are generally set. And Tracy dreams of being on the most popular show in town, The Corny Collins Show, which was kind of a show akin to American Bandstand, but it actually was based on a real show that took Bandstand's place on television in Baltimore called The Buddy Dean Show. In fact, Dean appears in a cameo role in this film. The Corny Collins Show is where teens can go to dance in front of TV cameras for the rest of the town to see, and that makes it a status symbol of top priority for any teenager who wants to be popular in that day and age. Despite her weight, she ends up making her way in through a dance contest, and there she becomes something of a sensation after her TV debut, although with popularity comes jealousy and derision and body shaming for being overweight. Tensions do escalate when Tracy gains the attention sought by rival schoolmate named Amber Von Tussle, and she ends up snatching Link Larkin, Amber's boyfriend of sorts, to boot. In compounding the issues, Tracy decides to promote an integrated show she wants to put Whites and blacks on the same screen dancing together in this era when they were only allowed to appear on separate episodes, and that causes the town to spill into demonstrations in this heated fight for what's right. And there's a certain irony in seeing a show in which blacks are relegated to only dancing on the show once a month, while the rest of the shows feature the white high school kids all dancing to songs featuring predominantly black singers, called race music at the time, while they're performing a few novelty dance moves that also largely stem from the black community. The sole African-American presence is DJ and monthly Negro Day, that's what they called the Corny Collins show when they had all black dancers on the show, Motormouth Maybell, she's that host for that Negro Day version of the Corny Collins show. She's played here by renowned rhythm and blues singer Ruth Brown. And Maybell's son, Seaweed, soon gets romantically involved with one of Tracy's white friends, leading her mother to go into a panic, enough to hire a hypnotherapist who happens to be played here by John Waters himself to try to deprogram her, at least her attraction to another race. Now, the themes of Hairspray are in championing the marginalized to the forefront into acceptance from integration to interracial relationships to body image to activism. It's all in the mix here. It also measures the burgeoning importance of television for individuals as well as certain groups in gaining attention and acceptance among the communities of viewers who come to know them in their homes. John Waters is not interested here in speeches or grandstanding. He concentrates more on the idiocy of established norms. He expresses a desire to break up the stranglehold of sameness and the prejudice that exists and is desired within many communities who are not willing to make the neighborhood a safe and accepting place for all. After her debut break role here in Hairspray, Ricky Lake, the star of the film, would go on to become a TV sensation of her own. She ended up hosting her own talk show from 1993 to 2004 in syndication. She maintained her appearance throughout the film as being a bit chubby and that grew to be kind of a chore for her because of the amount of time that she had to spend dancing she ended up shedding pounds so she had to as she says eat like crazy to stay at a consistent level of weight the entire way through production she would end up doing a couple of more films right after this for john waters becoming kind of a new muse because john waters regular divine who plays the mother of tracy in this film as well as a smaller sporting role not in drag Uh, He did that as a negotiation with John Waters to play a role not in drag because he was becoming tired of doing drag roles exclusively and wanted to be able to be a little bit more versatile in his career. Uh, Divine took the role that was originally meant for a famous transsexual named Christine Jorgensen, but Divine agreed to play that part when plans did not work out. Unfortunately, it would be the very last John Waters film for Divine The 42-year-old would die only three weeks after the film's release during a road trip meant to promote the film. So one muse, unfortunately, for John Waters was gone, and Ricky Lake would become the new muse for a couple of movies anyway. The rest of the cast is an eclectic mix of either character actors, or they come from the world of music. I mean, Sonny Bono, who at the time was the mayor of Palm Springs, was cast into the role of one of the heavies of the film, the racists, Franklin Von Tussle, who represented the old ways of wanting the races to stay segregated. As the film was a rock and roll film, I think John Waters felt he needed representation from people in the world of music to sell it. So Bono and, as I mentioned, Ruth Brown is in the film. They were cast here, along with Debbie Harry of Blondie Fame, and a couple of small parts as beatniks going to Rico Kasich of The Cars, and a wannabe pop star, Pia Zadora, who was originally supposed to play Colleen Fitzpatrick's role of Amber Von Tussle, but couldn't do it due to conflicts in her schedule. And although it had a budget, a very modest budget, of approximately $3 million, Hairspray would be by far the largest budget of any John Waters career up to that point. A good chunk of that he would use to securing the song rights to many of the classics that are played throughout the course of this film. And it would end up being a small success. It made about almost $7 million in the box office. And it even took off more on home video. It would build a great deal of fan base that would propel it into becoming a favorite among teenagers and maybe even older people in the 1990s. So Hairspray as a whole, it's a whimsical look into an interesting time in the United States. It's powered by a lot of hip, at least for its era, dancing and a dynamic soundtrack of contemporary jukebox hits that propelled it into becoming a favorite among many. And eventually, that popularity through the 90s would lead to a 2002 Broadway musical adaptation that would also result in another even more financially popular movie. That was released in 2007 that musical adaptation of hairspray with john travolta in the divine role that itself kind of has become a beloved film john waters has crafted here a fun and infectious and a heady look at a seemingly benign era just before the united states was actually confronting its deep-rooted issues with race throughout the rest of the decade to follow it's quite a subversive film underneath it all and yet it plays absolutely light and accessible and even if you're not necessarily looking for a political movie you can absolutely enjoy Hairspray just on the surface level I'm gonna give Hairspray three and a half stars out of four three and a half stars on my scale means that I do recommend it for people who really like John Waters or just like these kinds of movies set in the 60s and good nostalgia value and campy humor and all of that stuff I think John Waters really brings together in a very satisfying way so I do Strongly recommend it. I do think it's a good movie. Do encourage people to see it if this sounds of appeal to you. So as far as what I'm going to be covering next week, I'm going to continue on with the theme here, and that'll cover for the next two movies, themes of films of the 1980s in which a television dance show is somehow part of the main plot. Obviously, you just heard Hairspray happens to be that. So for next week, I'm going to be reviewing a film that came out about three years before Hairspray. It's called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. A film that features, among others, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker before she was really a big hit. Helen Hunt is in the movie as well. And a whole lot of other surprises. Girls Just Want to Have Fun from 1985. If you want to keep up with the films before I review them, check that out for next week. And until next time, thanks everyone for listening and joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. Walk on,